0: Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's April 2nd, and we made it to Friday. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's what you need to know today. Why some Latino voters chose former President Trump. Plus, a monster movie brings people back to the theater. But first, the emotional week in the Chauvin trial is today's one big thing. Today, the first week of testimony in the trial over the death of George Floyd wraps up in Minneapolis. Axios' local Twin Cities reporter, Tori Van Oot has been paying attention every day. Tori and I picked three moments from this week that show just how emotional it was. And we wanted to begin where this whole story started, at the convenience store. Here's former cashier Christopher Martin. What was going through your mind during that time period? Uh, uh, disbelief disbelieve.
1: Thank you. Okay. My guilt? Um, if I would have just not taken the bill, this could have been avoided.
0: Tori, he was the one who accepted a fake $20 bill from George Floyd before he died. What to you was the takeaway from that
1: testimony? He said that his... Policy was that his pay would have been docked if he hadn't called the cops or if he hadn't, uh, you know, done something to stop this potential counterfeit bill. And so this really speaks to the guilt again. This like sense of he wished that he had done something more in the moment. You know, of course, he was a teenager, just reacting and following his store's policy. But the testimony from Christopher also reignited some criticism over Cup Foods, uh, which has definitely been the center of scrutiny because of its role in this whole incident, some neighborhood activists and community activists have actually called for it to close altogether.
0: I wanted to hear from another witness for this week, off-duty firefighter Genevieve Hansen, recounting this exchange with an officer on the scene. He said something along the lines of, if you really are a Minneapolis um, firefighter, you would know better than to get involved. What did you think of that? First, I was worried that he wasn't um, going to believe me um, and not let me
1: um, help. And I also, that's that's not right.
0: Tori, can you explain a little bit more about this? She was an off-duty firefighter who's also an EMT who was a witness to George Floyd and the, his encounter with the police.
1: So I think what we're seeing here is a couple of things that the prosecution and the state is trying to do. And they're trying to establish that there was this sense among bystanders that something wasn't right. They're also trying to establish, I think, that George Floyd didn't have to die, right? That there could have been interventions. But she's essentially saying, I could see that something was out of sorts here. They wanted to help and they wouldn't, wouldn't let me.
0: So much of this is we're hearing about these moments and how there were sort of these split-second decisions that were made, and I wanted to just talk to you about what may have been one of the most emotional moments of the week. Can you tell us about Charles McMillan?
1: Charles McMillan is a man who just happened upon the scene, and he completely broke down into tears on the stand this week. And as some of the video played from the scene, he was not the only one to become overcome with emotion. I know this is difficult. Can you just explain sort of what you're feeling in this moment?
0: I can I feel helpless.
1: This case and George Floyd's death has become a a symbol of something even bigger. People talk about America being on trial, about this being a a key moment for kind of a reckoning over race and justice in America. These raw moments kind of underscore that.
0: We'll be checking in with Tori and the rest of the Axios local team in the Twin Cities in the coming weeks. Thanks, Tori.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: We'll be back in 15 seconds with Jonathan Swan's exclusive look at Latino support for former President Trump. Welcome back to Axios Today. One of the biggest surprises from the 2020 election was the uptick in Latino support for former President Trump. New data from research firm Equis is trying to understand that trend. Axios' Jonathan Swan is here with an exclusive look at this research. Jonathan, former President Trump didn't just gain Latino voters in Texas and Florida, but all over the country. Where did we see the biggest shifts?
2: Trump actually made gains with Latinos in places that can't be explained away easily by the politics of the border or Cuban politics. He he made huge gains in Patterson, New Jersey, improved his raw vote total by 126% from 2016, and Biden actually fell back 6% from Clinton in, in raw votes. He surged in Vegas, Milwaukee. You saw Trump win over new Latino voters. like In Nevada, he actually improved his standing among Hispanic women. This is a group that still overwhelmingly rejects the former president, but softened on him. So Trump's gains were broad, and the reasons for them are actually quite complicated.
0: As you said, this is really extensive research, and it's very complicated. What are some initial early understandings for why this may have happened?
2: I need to underscore. These are hypotheses, but one of their early beliefs from their analysis is that Counterintuitively, the coronavirus pandemic may have actually helped drive President Trump's surprising increase in support from Latinos last November. What they're seeing in their focus groups and there's some quantitative data to support this is that in a community, a Latino community that is disproportionately entrepreneurial, there were many folks who had kept their jobs through COVID and were worried that Biden was going to come in and shut down the economy and, and lose their jobs. So In that sense, Trump probably benefited from COVID. That was one hypothesis. The other thing that's really profound to understand is that in many cases, Democratic operatives have looked at Latino voters erroneously as a sort of homogenous block and not appreciated to the fullest extent the nuances between different groups within that very broad umbrella. And Trump actually understood that. There's a lot to unpack here. And it's not just as simple as some of the, I would say, somewhat racist cliches that you read about, like it was just Latino men and Trump's machismo. His appeal was much broader and really cannot be reduced to some of these simple tropes.
0: As Jonathan said, there's so much here. You can read more about his reporting at Axios.com. Axios political reporter Jonathan Swan. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Kong bows to no one. (laughs) That's the trailer for the movie Bringing People Back to the Theater. Godzilla vs. Kong is on track to break pandemic box office records this weekend. The monster flick pulled in just under $10 million on its opening day and is expected to surpass Christopher Nolan's Tenet for the biggest box office take in the past year. Godzilla vs. Kong is showing at more than 3,000 theaters nationwide. At the same time, it's also streaming on HBO Max. Why does this matter? Even when films are available for streaming, Americans still seem to want that theatrical experience. But don't count out the streaming services just yet. Netflix is still betting on you staying home and watching films on your couch. They just purchased two sequels to The Murder Mystery Knives Out for almost half a billion dollars. That's it for us this week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Justin Kaufman, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Naomi Shaven, and Amy Padula. Our mix engineer is Alex Sugiyara. Jim Bobkov is our executive producer, and Sarah K. Halani goo is our executive editor. Special thanks to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. At Pushkin, our executive producers are Leetal Malad and Jacob Weisberg. You can always send us feedback by emailing podcasts at axios.com. And if you have the time, we'd love it if you'd leave us a starred review on Apple Podcasts. That makes it easier for other people to find us. I'm Nyla Budu. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and have a great weekend.